Well, it's good to be here. Um, just a little recap and a reminder. Um, some of you might not have met, actually. My name's Andy, and if I've not met you, I hope to meet you um, more fully. Welcome to Oikos this morning. Um, it's our, our desire to deepen in our love for, for Jesus, and out of that place to love others and to share the good news of Jesus with them. And so we're looking at a, a sermon series called Devoted, um, and so we're looking at who, who Jesus is, we're looking at who we are, and we're looking at how we can live. And so we've been looking at um, several passages in the Bible, one of the, the passages that talks about how the disciples were devoted to prayer, devoted to the Word, and then Simon last week showed us that uh, we are to be devoted to breaking bread, and then this week we're looking at being devoted to fellowship. So I hope to talk a little bit about what fellowship is according to scripture and what it means for us and um, throughout the, the, the small talk um, that there'll be several moments that I hope you engage with and that you'll be able to respond, an opportunity to respond to as well. So I'm just going to pray for us. Father, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you Jesus that you came and you gave it all for us. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. And as we continue to meditate on your goodness and your grace towards us, would you continue to change us? <clears throat> I pray that if we have already received you, Jesus, that you would continue by your spirit to be working us today, to, to continue to work in us in the way that you've already started to change us, change our hearts. And if there are those amongst us who've not yet found that you are their saviour, their Lord. I pray that today would be that day. I pray that our hearts and our ears, our minds will be open to you now, Jesus. Amen. Um, Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What is fellowship? What is fellowship? Um, some words that come to mind might be a union, a companionship, something that binds people together, a communion, a togetherness. But as we look for a, Christian, a definition of Christian fellowship, the Greek word um, in the New Testament is koinonia. Koinonia. And, and that word signifies having a share in something or sharing with someone in something. Or you could say participation in something or with someone. So koinonia can be a sharing in the benefits of the death of Jesus or in the financial relief of the saints or in the sufferings of Christ. So when we talk about Christian koinonia, fellowship or sharing or participation that is unique to our relationship with other believers, what we're referring to is that shared union the shared participation of what we have together in Christ. Piper says this, he says, Fellowship is a mutual bond that Christians have with Christ that puts us in a deep, eternal relationship with one another. I'll just say that again. Fellowship is a mutual bond that Christians have with Christ that puts us in a deep, eternal relationship with one another. It's quite an important thing, isn't it? It's not just a fleeting thing, it's a, it's a forever thing. So like Simon was saying last week about 
um, when we're breaking bread, looking in five different directions when we take communion. Um, so fellowship seems to be oriented in two directions. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, You were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Which probably means both, one, sharing vertically, so sharing in the union each of us has in Christ, and then secondly, sharing together with other believers the common union that we have with Christ and each other. And this is not an ideal, this is not something that is just, a, just an ideal, an idea, uh, but it's a divine reality. The idea of Oikos Church living out our lives in gospel community together is not a lofty ideal, but it's a reality, a reality that exists because of what Christ has done for us. I would suggest that one of my greatest struggles during the COVID restrictions that were imposed was the constraint on the fellowship. I wonder if you felt that as well. I just know I, I felt that really deeply. Um, I wonder if you knew the yearning for Christian fellowship that I did. I suspect that most of you, most of you did. Um, I just found that when there was a constraint on it, I, I really, really missed it. Um, I don't know if you, any of you have read um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. If you haven't, I can recommend it. It's seminal on life together. We, we looked at it for a weekend away some years ago, actually. It, it's excellent. Um, he says this, which really confirms what I, what I was feeling, I think. He says, The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. He goes on to say, it is true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace. Just hang on to that. I want you to hang on to that. It's a gift of grace. We're going to keep coming back to that time and again, I think. It's a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us. I felt like that was taken from us recently. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. And so I just want to encourage us right now um, to, be, to be thankful for fellowship. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for Christian fellowship. There is nothing like it. It doesn't mean that it is easy uh, or unchallenging, but there is nothing like the bond that we have together because we share in you, Jesus. And so we thank you for fellowship. Lord, would you forgive us for taking it for granted? Would we, from the bottom of our hearts, be grateful for your grace that allows us to live in fellowship together. And would you remind us to pray for those for whom fellowship is not a possibility for whatever reason. I pray that we might reach out to those even around us who might be lonely, who might need that embrace of Christian fellowship. Amen. So I'm looking to, to, um, to look at three characteristics of what 
fellowship looks like for us. So it's a community of people, and there'll, there'll be more aspects, I'm sure, but just today I'm just going to look at the, the three aspects. One, that it's a, a humble community. Two, a loving community. And three, a passionate community. So a humble community. The Christian is one who no longer seeks his salvation, his deliverance, his justification in himself, but in Jesus Christ alone. Matthew 5, 3, I think this was from the New Living Translation, says, God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for him, those who are poor in spirit, who realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So Jesus is saying that if you recognise you need God, the kingdom of heaven is yours. When we know we need God, we can be truly blessed and happy. We're in the right place. Not when we want to prove ourselves or be self-reliant. The word of God pronounces each of us guilty and unrighteous before him. And the word of God in Jesus Christ declares us no longer guilty, but righteous. For each of us who would accept and trust Jesus, this contrast from from darkness to light, from guilt to freedom, from death to life, is only achieved in and through Jesus. So to receive salvation, we must humble ourselves. And in response to salvation, we must humble ourselves. So it's a before and an after that point of salvation. Some verses that might be familiar to you. Ephesians chapter 2. 8 and 9 say, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul would say in Romans, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. We're encouraged in Ephesians to be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love. None of us are deserving of the Lord's salvation and none of us are better than anyone else and we should live out our our lives um, in humility in response to our salvation. How do we become humble though? I I, I wonder if by recognising the truth that we're hopelessly lost without him, by beholding him and his work on the cross, and being increasingly thankful will go some way to helping us be humble. James encourages us to humble, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord. So there is something in us that is within our ability, if you like, to humble ourselves. Not necessarily something that's done to us. So it is an encouragement. We, we can do this. We ought to do this. We ought to humble ourselves. And some of that is by considering yourself with sober judgment and being grateful for what the Lord has done for us. The first opportunity that we have to uh, respond to that then is, um, I'm going to put a prayer up um, on the the screen, and it's a a prayer adapted from John Wesley, and it's a prayer for humility. Ben's just going to take it back, he's taking over the clicking duties. That's all right, Ben, thank you. So this this is a prayer for humility. Hopefully you can all read that okay. Um, Let's pray this together. If 
you're in Christ and you want to, to share in this, then let's pray that we be humble. Let's read together. O Lamb of God, who both by your example and precept instructed us to be meek and humble, give me grace throughout my whole life in every thought and word and work to imitate your meekness and humility. Mortify in me the whole body of pride. Grant me to feel that I am nothing and have nothing, and that I deserve nothing but shame and contempt, but misery and punishment. Grant, O Lord, that I may look for nothing, claim nothing, and that I may go through life, all the scenes of life, not seeking my own glory, but looking wholly unto you and acting wholly for you. Let me never speak any word that may tend to my own praise. Let my ears and my heart be ever shut to the praise that comes from men. Give me a dread of applause in whatsoever form and from whatsoever tongue it comes. Deliver my soul from this snare of hell. Neither let me spread it for the feet of others. O giver of every good and perfect gift, if at any time you please to work by my hand, teach me to discern what is my own from what is another's, and to render unto you the things that are yours, as all the good that is done on earth, you do it yourself. Let me ever return to you all the glory. Let me, as a pure crystal, transmit all the light you pour upon me, but never claim as my own what is your sole property. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I would encourage you to. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? lovely that was kind of recorded for us um, just a, a reminder to to be humble second then is um, a, a loving community there we go there we go <laughs> a loving community Jesus says this, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how people will know that we're disciples of Jesus when we're, we are seen to be loving one another. <clears throat> As I have loved you, so you must love one another, says Jesus. Just consider that for a moment. How did Jesus love his disciples? You probably don't need me to point it out, but he provided for them. He spent time with them. He taught and rebuked them. He served them. He gave himself for them. He said those words on his last night with them after they had spent, they weren't going to spend any more time before his death with him. Um, and so all that he had done to love them up until that point, and what he was going to be doing, he says, this is how I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
To quote from Bonhoeffer again, he says, A Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. Among men there is strife. He is our peace, says Paul of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 2.14. Without Christ there is discord between God and man and between man and man. Christ became the mediator and made peace with God and among men. Without Christ we should not know God. We could not call upon him nor come to him. But without Christ we also would not know our brother or sister nor could we come to them. The way is blocked by our own ego. Christ opened up the way to God and to our brother. Now Christians can live with one another in peace. They can love and serve one another. They can become one. But they can continue to do so only by way of Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through him are we bound together to eternity. He remains the one mediator. We can only really love each other well through Jesus, can't we? And maybe just a reminder to, for us to remember Jesus' grace towards you and then to remember his grace, that same grace towards the other. So there's a couple of ways that I'm focusing on, um, and, and there are many. Um, but one way to, to love each other is to serve one another and meet each other's needs. Acts 4, 32-35 says all the believers were one in heart sorry if you're looking for that I'll give you a moment Acts 4 32 to 35 all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed any of their possessions were their own but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, in them all, <clears throat> that when there were no needy persons among them. They had everything in common. <clears throat> there was not a needy person among them. There's also warnings in scripture um, about not being lazy and about making sure people don't scrounge off each other all should work to earn their bread, says Paul, but it was their voluntary practice to offer to others, and such sacrifice was seen as exemplary. Um, and perhaps in the light of what Jesus has done for us and who he has made us, it's caused us to view what we own in a different light, correctly, in that really everything belongs to the Lord. And maybe we shouldn't hold so tightly to them. So I've got a, a question for you. Um, just to ponder now, and if you, if you do take notes, maybe it's an opportunity for you to, to write this question down for yourself. Um, and it's, and it's, the question is, do you make margins in your life to serve others' needs? Do you make margins in your life to serve others' needs? What do I mean by that? Well, I suppose if, if you've got a bit of paper in front of you, you'll see that there's a, bit of, there's a margin at the side of it. There's space. Sometimes that's for notes. Um, there's space at the side of what is written. Um, when, when there was a harvest, there, there wasn't everything that was taken in. There would be little bits left at the side so that the poor could, could glean the corn and just to have some of what was left. It's not taking everything that's there. And so I just wondered if that resonates with you. 
if you, if you get that idea, are there margins in your life? I would encourage you to consider making margins in your life with your money. Do you spend everything you have on your own bills? I know everyone's got bills. Do you spend it all? Or do you say, this goes back to you, God. This I'll keep for the needs of others. Thank you for blessing me with that. How can I, how can I give that to others? Do you make a margin in your, in your household, in your budget, for that purpose? Do you do that with your time? Or do you... I, I have a tendency to absolutely not do this with my time because I, I love being full with my time uh, and that's not always a good thing. Do, do we um, have the opportunity to say, let's not block the whole diary up. <laughs> let's leave some space to give to others. Do you do that with your talents? Do you share God-given gifts that you have? Do you do that with your care? So do you make margins in your life to serve others' needs? And then um, another way that we can consider how we love each other is to speak God's word to one another. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Fellowship with one another is ours only when we're walking in the light. It's a precious thing, fellowship, and it is available to all Christians, but we've got to be walking in, in the light. And I think that means not hiding away when we, when we feel ashamed of our sin um, or when we're convicted of it, or even if, we're, if we feel interrupted or inconvenienced in some, in some way. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. It means walking in his ways. If we want to have fellowship, we've got to be in his light. Do, uh, and we, we need to speak sorry we need each other to speak God's word to us and to encourage us Piper says this he said Christian friendships exist for this to say things that will keep each other believing can you be a Christian friend to somebody in a minute I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, respond to that um, if you're a Christian you are united to Christ in a mutual bond with all other Christians you are therefore in a profound eternal relationship of love with all believers. And I'd say also that we need each other to help with our blind spots. You know, like a blind spot where you can't see something in your life um, or, or how you act and how you behave. Areas of our lives that we still sin in, we need help identifying that. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be left unchanged. I don't want to stay exactly as I am now. I want to be further rid of my sin. I don't want to be content with just how things are right now in this moment. And I think we need each other. Um, are you content with how sin still clings and tangles you up? Or do you have a right view of it and want it killed, want it destroyed, want to be rid of it fully? Um, God's continued sanctification and the perseverance of faith together can help in that process. And just a little example in Hebrews 3, uh, 12 to 14, says this. It says, take care, brothers, lest, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I just want to encourage us, again, faith is not a private matter. 
Faith is not a private matter. You're not called to a private faith. <clears throat> However, I am willing to be corrected. So if you can find somewhere in Scripture that says you are, please come and correct me. Um, I think we need each other. I think Scripture is clear that we need each other and we're to live together and help each other. And that passage there just encourages us to be watchful on behalf of each other. To, lot, to not let each other be hardened in heart by sin. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's challenging. I'd encourage us to be open to the Lord working in us through correction by the fellowship of believers. So a couple of further questions there for you to consider. Am I, am I open to other believers speaking God's truth into my life? Am I willing to speak it to others? Opportunity to, to respond now. Um, I'm actually going to give you license to use your phones now. So I really want to encourage you maybe to text somebody. They might be in this room or they might not be in this room. But I'm going to encourage you right now. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to text somebody to let them know how great it is that you're in fellowship with them. So I'm talking about another believer. If there's a verse that you want to text them that's on your heart or that we've just looked at, would you do it? Let's just respond now. I want to, would you be an encouragement to another believer right now? Please get your phones out. <laughs> Text somebody. If you haven't got a phone with you and you want to just write something down or pray for somebody, please do that. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. How grateful are you that you are in fellowship with that person? Share a verse with them. Tell them how grateful you are for them. And if you need my number, I'll give it you. I'll read it out. <laughs> Think how encouraged that person is going to be. You're going to receive a text from because I bet you don't usually text them at quarter to twelve on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> yep, I can feel my phone pinging, ping, 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 ping. Thank you, guys. Texas someone, don't go on to BBC Sport or something like that. Who won the last game of football or something? And if you're not texting someone, just maybe consider those questions. Am I open to other believers speaking God's truth in my life? Am I willing to speak it to others? Am I making margins in my life to care for others?
with my money, my time, my talents, my care. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on. <clears throat> There we go. Passionate community. So thirdly then, this fellowship. And by the way, this isn't prescriptive, it's descriptive. We, we, should, we should be these things together. Um, and, and we're able to be because of Jesus. Uh, you may be passionate about lots of things in life. You might have one or two things that really get you going. What are you passionate about? I love playing football. I love watching sports, any will do, even American football. Uh, I love playing games, <clears throat> board games, card games. I love a good campfire. I love the country slide guitar. I love seeing children be creative, use their imagination. I love a sun sunrise. I love a sunset. I love mountains, rivers. I love corny dad jokes. I love a neatly stacked log pile. I'm excited about people being saved, entered, entering into the kingdom of God, being freed from their burden of sin. I'm excited about the reality of God's blessings being manifest in our lives and knowing that even death cannot separate us from the love of Christ. What are we known for being passionate about? What are you known for being passionate about? You may even be excited about the idea of community. But unless you're more excited about grace, you'll never enjoy fellowship. You've got to get excited about grace. Your experiences of people may not make you excited about living in community. If that's the case, you need to get excited about grace. Unless you're more excited about grace, you'll never enjoy fellowship. Are you excited and passionate about God's grace? Because you've You've, got, you've just got to be. The other stuff will not follow. You're not going to be excited about living in fellowship unless you recognise it. Would you turn with me to Ephesians 2? I'm, I'm just going to read, read some of this because if that excitement is dimmed, let's just get back to his word. Let's have a look at Ephesians 2. Uh, <clears throat> and it says, it says this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That, by the way, refers to all of us. That's all, that's all of you pre-salvation. Okay? You were dead in your transgressions and sins. It applies to me. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, don't just love that word, but. Such a, a, a hope-filled word. But, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved 
and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Paul doesn't stop, keeps, keeps banging on about this amazing grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. If your um, excitement about grace is dimmed today, just take these words home. For, if you forget everything else that I've just said, just take Ephesians 2 home with you in your heart. True fellowship is rooted in God's grace to Christ, um, to us in Christ. And as a fellowship, there's just, just three, three more things, then our final response. Um, as, as a fellowship, we will be moved to speak of Jesus enthusiastically. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus is talking about us being the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people hide, uh, sorry, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. <clears throat> Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us speak enthusiastically about our King, our Saviour, our friend, our Lord. Speak, let us speak boldly of him. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place was, where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This isn't about your, your character. I think the Lord does use our characters, but it's about being filled by the Spirit. And it's about recognising that it's all about Jesus and not about you. So you don't have to be um, a seasoned orator to be able to speak enthusiastically or boldly about Jesus. But it's born out of your love for him, which is in response to his love for you. <clears throat> so thirdly and, and finally, we as a fellowship will be moved to worship Jesus fervently. I was just reminded, we watched a little bit of, um, me and the boys tend to watch a little bit of Match of the Day on Sunday mornings. Saturday evening's far too late. So we get to see it on the Sunday morning. And you know, football fans at... at um, at these grounds around the country. They are fervent, aren't they? You might look at it and think, I don't, I don't give a monkeys about that team, but they are fervent supporters. And I just wonder, do we have the same sort of fervour about our king, which means that we are saved and are going to be with him forever and we get, we get to have fellowship together forever. Um, and so just an encouragement, just as you see the, the football fans chanting and singing, there's a great fervour there. We ought also to worship Jesus fervently. Sometimes that's quietly, I know, I know. Sometimes that's quietly. And sometimes different cultures express and manifest in different ways. I know, I know that. But it says in Psalm 33, it says this, it says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. So I think that, that's not about culture. I, my, my Britishness ought not be an excuse as to how fervently I worship Jesus, right? I should sing joyfully to the Lord because he has made me righteous and it is fitting 
for us to praise him. So our response then, third, third opportunity to, to respond, just a question for us that we're going to um, just meditate in our hearts quietly, and then I hope that's going to result in, I'm, I'm going I'm to pray for us, and then we're going to sing. <coughs> just looking around, seeing where Dan is. Thank you. <laughs> So here's a question for us to to ponder in our hearts. Has my passion for Jesus or his people diminished recently? When you just spend a moment, I'd encourage you to quietly repent of that and ask him to stir up in us passion. And then we're going to sing of his glory.